The first time I was in a toxic relationship, um, it was a drug dealer. Yeah, in high school. Hi. Hi, everybody. I'm Eden. And I'm Jay. And welcome to Eden X Jay Unfiltered, the podcast where we have created a safe and sexy space to have unfiltered conversations. We might be the same sex, but we have different opinions. Hey, and welcome back. Yes, but before we dive into today's episode, make sure to give us five stars on Spotify and Apple and everywhere else that our podcast is streamed. Also, follow at Eden X Jay for all of our latest updates. Uh, follow us on Eden X Jay everywhere and all the things and don't forget to follow us at Preciosa Night as well that is our baby and our passion project and there are so many different things and fun things happening on all the different channels like our new year's eve party that's creeping up oh it's like around the corner i'm i'm excited and i'm like also so excited i don't know <laughs> i was gonna say i'm nervous but not really because this is our second party that we've thrown and the first one was incredible our challenge is how are we going to talk I last know, year? Exactly. Actually, we, we already have because yeah. we linked up with two sponsors. Beatbox hey. is the official sponsor of the night. So there's going to be so much Beatbox swag to give away and just like have everywhere. And then Alaska Airlines just gifted us two free tickets yeah. to go anywhere they travel. So I'm really excited for whoever wins that those prizes. It's going to be rad. Gracias, Papi Beatbox and <laughs> to Papi Alaska Airlines. I just want to just give them the extra shout out. Not that this is, this is not paid. This isn't anything. These two brands are brands that genuinely support us and Preciosa Night. They are the ones that reached out. They are the ones like, how can I help? And I just want to share the love and, you know, give them some love because they deserve it. And we're so appreciative of it. And we can believe it or not, a lot of these brands that we have reached out to decline or don't want to help our movement they just didn't have it in the budget or like didn't feel like it was the right fit or whatever but no harm no foul the right ones are meant to be here with us and that's why we want to give them some extra love because i don't think people realize all the things that happen behind the scenes as a queer POC person it's really hard to get donations and sponsors a lot yeah. of the times and so just to your point to have such cool brands that, that love what we're doing and want to be a part of what we're doing and want to give back to our community i'm just over the moon it's put your money where your mouth is if you that say part. i support a community come on let's prove it let's see what you got and they do alaska airlines is the gayest Prideest, proudest <laughs> plane I have ever been on, especially during Pride. And they legit have a plane that has a giant rainbow. Yeah, it's a fly with pride. And it makes me so proud to be a part of this airline. It makes me so proud to, you know, fly it. I have this sense of pride when I do fly Alaska. And it means the world to us because if you fought, like, obviously, if you follow us on Eden XJ, you do see that we travel quite a bit. We've traveled so much this year. Mm-hmm. And it was important for us to give back and pay it forward. Like we really want whoever this lucky winner is to truly enjoy whatever trip you you know you're about to go on because this airline is so bomb and mm-hmm. it, and they really genuinely support our community. So we're happy for whatever it is, and you know we still have some more time. So if you're a brand or work for a brand that's out there that want to jump on board and help some girls and queers and days and gays out, like. Slide into our DMs or email us. (laughs) And the link is in our bio if you want to buy tickets. But before we jump into today's episode, just a trigger warning, we are talking about... Yeah, so today's episode is going to be about toxic relationships. Uh, We're going to talk about toxicity, some red flags, how to get over toxic relationships. So if you're currently in the healing journey of going through a toxic relationship, just wanted to give you a fair trigger warning. So 
If you're not ready to hear this episode, then go ahead, skip to the next one next week or go listen to a previous one. And if not, welcome everybody. This has been a topic that keeps coming up on in our DMs and on our Let's Talk Thursdays. And I'm really excited to talk about it because I feel like there is a lot of toxicity that happens within the queer community that mm-hmm. a lot of us don't talk about publicly or openly. You know what? It, it just blows my mind a little bit. Well, the whole reason for us creating Unfiltered was to have unfiltered conversations that are hard about mm-hmm. things like this. It's not fun talking about toxic relationships or even like sometimes admitting that you've been in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eleven, maybe toxic relationships. I've been in like 15. So honestly, like counting. God keeps giving me <laughs> the same lesson over and over again to see if I'm still dumb. Like in sometimes I have been (laughs) young and dumb right you know you you live and you learn and you grow and doesn't mean that you know how we got to where we are today was smooth sailing with all of these amazing relationships like we have gone through one two three four five six many toxic relationships in order to get to where we are today and I think us being in our healthy relationships sometimes we forget what it was like to be in a toxic relationship and that there are still people out there that are actively struggling in these situations yeah and I will say that if if I wasn't in the right headspace when I met you this this relationship wouldn't have happened at all Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been ready for it and it took a lot for me to get out of these toxic situations to yeah. find my self-worth and confidence to find someone that matches where I'm at and that has the quali- qualifications that I needed in a partner. Aww. So that's also really important to talk about. It's growth. Growth. <laughs> growth. I mean, I think it's really important for us to pay it forward and to walk people through what we had been through, right? And kind of things that we have done to get through some of our toxic relationships and, you know, just be a a sense of advice. We are your queer big sisters that have lived multiple many lives. So (laughs) if you can make a different mistake other than us, that would be great. Don't make the same mistakes we did. Be better than us. Learn, you know, learn more. And this is why we, you know, put our life on on the internet (laughs) to show people that if it's toxic, it doesn't have to be that there is a way out there is positive representation i 100 feel like if i had someone like us to look up to i wouldn't have been in my toxic relationship as long as i was in Mm -hmm. i just didn't have an example of what was good so toxic for me was normal yeah and i think that happens a lot when you're raised in like certain um households and certain backgrounds like i remember i like none of my family members till this day have been married all of my family members whether it's a theo or a thea like even my mom everyone's divorced Mm -hmm. or were never married or like didn't value their partner the way that for say the way that i value you Mm -hmm. and that was really important because growing up i didn't really have examples so of course as a baby gay (laughs) I probably I fell in love with the wrong person multiple times um, and I'm just the type to wear my heart on my sleeve so for me it was really hard to like separate what's toxic and what's not toxic because it's kind of like a blurred line when you grew up in toxicity it's so easy to fall into toxicity Mm -hmm. like when the love example of you know what a relationship should be is an actual toxic environment that's odds are what you're gonna fall into Mm -hmm. when it comes time to date on your own so it's really Really important if you have kids out there they are little sponges they are absorbing your relationship dynamic and if you don't like what you're in guess what the odds of your kids falling into that are pretty high because they they see this as normal and yeah. if you're acting like this is normal 
the the objective is to never let history repeat itself and if you don't like what's being done to you just remember you should want better for your kids and you should want better for yourself as well yeah but i think that's kind of tricky i think a lot of like there are situations where like you know maybe the partner is the breadwinner and they really are stuck you know in this relationship or to your point they don't really know anything better than what they're in so it can be hard sometimes and I, and I, yeah. I I don't blame anyone that's in a toxic relationship. I think it takes opening your eyes and yeah. having to your to your point someone that is there like letting them know like that's not okay. I mean that's honest. From somebody who has been in toxic relationships and multiple toxic relationships, I've never I don't judge anyone for being in one at all. I don't judge anyone for taking years to leave it. Yeah. You you should just be fortunate to leave it at all cuz odds odds are oftentimes people just stay Mm -hmm. so there there should never be any judgment on a person for going back multiple times or not leaving or not feeling that they can't leave it happens when you don't have any knowledge of like what good is this is just your normal so it's not our place to judge at all because lord knows we've been there multiple times as well and people probably judged us but at the end of the day like everybody's circumstance is so different and i think being in a toxic relationship for myself has taught me to not be dependent on another person because that dependency can be used as leverage and it can be used as a trap and so when i went through one of my toxic phases um in a relationship that was a very hard lesson to learn and it was scary and you're right being financially dependent on somebody does make it more complicated and takes a lot longer to Mm -hmm. leave a toxic situation Mm -hmm. like it's scary it's scary to go out there on your own it's scary to figure like start from scratch or start from zero but i will say if i i never did it i wouldn't be where i am today true do you remember the first time you realized you were in a toxic relationship oh man damn okay the first time i was in a toxic relationship um it was a drug dealer yeah in high school Dang. Oh, I haven't told anybody this in a long time. I think, well, the only, only people who know are the day ones. Um, you dated a drug dealer? Uh, yeah. Did I, you know he was a drug dealer? No, uh, I didn't. And I don't think he wasn't one. I believe when we started dating, um, not that I even really wanted to date him. It was something that people kept pressuring me to do in high school. Mm -hmm. And people were questioning, why don't I go date boys? Or why don't I go out on dates with boys? And I think for me, it's because I I secretly thought I liked girls, but I didn't want to let people know, or Mm -hmm. I didn't want to lead people on about it. So I, I think I went on a date with the first person who asked. It wasn't anything I really thought about or I even really liked this person because to be honest, I didn't even like boys. Mm. Um, So it was more so just to, I think, protect myself in that sense. Um, And for me, I think I was stuck in this relationship for years because it it got so toxic. Um, And again, trigger warning for those who have have been in a similar situation and may not be... um, may not be in a place to hear this but how it start or how it started it was slow it wasn't like it was day and night he changed it was little things that he would slowly start to get away with or i didn't you know have the self confidence to stand up for myself and i also didn't like failing i didn't like losing and so there were multiple layers why i felt like i had to stay in this relationship mm-hmm. and I think the first one was I started to try to avoid him 
because he would start yelling and start screaming at me privately. And I thought that was normal because I would get yelled at and screamed at at home. Hmm. So to me, that didn't seem toxic to be talked to that way. Um, he would like call me ugly. He would call me fat. And then granted, I was like under 100 pounds at that time in high school. What a jerk. And he really started taking little digs at my self-esteem. So that manipulation tactic was to make me think that there's nobody else that would want me. And that constant narrative being fed into my head, nobody's going to want you. You're ugly. You're disgusting. You're like all of these things. When you start hearing them every day at a certain point, you start believing them. So that's just like one layer of feeling trapped. Mm -hmm. And then it became like isolation. Like he separated me from my family. He separated me from like my friends. At a certain point, I tried to start avoiding him. I would start avoiding him at lunch or I would try to hide. And I would go to the one place I felt like he wouldn't ever go, which was the library. And then I was so obsessed with the Twilight series and the Hunger Games series because it was the one place I felt like I can escape or I can go mm. was in a book Yeah, because it just made me feel like I wasn't in my reality. Mm -hmm. And then sure enough, I remember like he found me and then he started screaming. He took the book, threw it across the library and just started screaming at me in public. And I felt looking back now, like that is such a huge flag. And yeah. it, but that's when it crossed over from yelling at me in private to yelling at me in public. Right. And I just sat there and I took it because my mom has yelled at me in public, mm. has yelled and screamed and embarrassed me in public. So again, something that shouldn't be normal was, was normal to me. And then I remember I got my first job, like job, job with the W-2 when I could at like 16. And so I started going to work. And at a certain point, I like saved up enough money to get a car and I bought my first car. Mm -hmm. And then he started to take my car what? and like take my paychecks. Did he have a car? No, he would, he would drive my car. And then yeah. I think that's when the drug dealing started. Wait, he took your paychecks? Yeah, he would take my paychecks. What so as mean? soon as I would get paid, he would Like have you would me. go cash it and then you'd give it to him? Basically. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Well, because if you think about it, when you give money to your family, it's because you love them. Like all of these things go back to like your family and your cycle and what you grew up in. Right. So again, like healthy us now can look back and say that was like terrible. How did you not see it? Yeah. It was normal already. It was normal for family members to ask for money. So when somebody asked me for money, like that's just fucking normal, mm -hmm. even though it's not. And then I remember, so like all of these things were like slow and like gradual, but then I think for me, the hardest part was the controlling factor jumped over into track. That was the only thing that would make me happy. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, um, he ended up forcing me to quit the team. And that's like all I had. And so then it, it felt like I had nothing left. I had no family, no friends. Now it didn't really feel like much money anymore. No freedom. And I remember winter formal or prom. And I didn't even want to go. I really didn't want to go because I didn't want to go with him. I just, I, I just dreaded it. But my mom really wanted me to go and she wanted me to have the whole prom experience and like all the things. And I remember trying on a dress with my friends and it was a really pretty like yellow dress. And I remember I came out of the dressing room mm -hmm. and he slapped me across the face. What? In front of everyone. Wild. And no one did anything. 
So then it made me feel like I was like, I was in the wrong. Like I was crazy. Nobody stood up for me. Nobody said anything. Nobody said that that was wrong. And it really, and I just like, I just stood there. You know what I mean? And I've been hit in public before by my parents. So again, these things are normal. So I felt like I was set up to fail in a relationship based on my own childhood. Mm. And I think people don't realize how dangerous it is to treat your kids a certain way and to beat your kids. Because what makes you think that they won't get beat by the first person who says that they love them and then mm. slaps them across the face? Because mm. guess who who did it first? So I, I get, that's why I'm just like so profusely against that. Because the person who says I love you shouldn't also be the person who physically hurts you like that. And I remember thinking like, okay, like I have to get out. It's like getting really dangerous. And then he's obviously started drug dealing. And I told him like, I want no part in it. Like, And that's also why I felt some type of way about drugs. And I never did drugs because it just felt like they ruined my life um, without me ever taking them. Yeah. Because he, the abuse started getting like more and more worse and more physical. And I remember being so scared and like thinking like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And like... I honestly didn't know if I was going to make it out of that relationship alive because multiple times he would threaten to kill me if I tried to leave. So I felt like I was just in like so deep. And I remember like when I was at work one day, um, he crashed my car and he had another girl in the car with him. Wow. And he still like expected me to fix it. And I, and I, even then I couldn't break up with him I couldn't escape I couldn't leave and I and I feel again for people who say like why did you stay and it's not that easy sometimes and again like I'm I'm like 17 I'm 17 at the time and like what real references and life experiences do I have to know anything about what to do in this situation? Mm-hmm. And I can't tell anyone about it. And the people who I have told didn't take my side. So what am I supposed to do? How did you end up leaving that relationship? To be truthful and to be really unfiltered. And this is like, again, trigger warning. Um, so if you need to leave this podcast, now would be the time for me. Uh, I tried to kill myself because I thought that was easier to get out. I thought that was my only way out. The thing that I think saved me the most was my little sister. She copied everything I did. She would always be in my room, would like always try to put my shoes on. She would, she just wanted to do everything I did. I didn't want this to be the example I left for her. I didn't want this to be the last thing that I did. So I think I like made it my mission to be the best example I could be for her. And then like whether he was going to kill me or not, I had to leave. And I think that was like my end breaking point for sure. And I changed my life around too because then I really started to I was failing in school and I was failing at everything. And then I went to being straight A's and like honor roll. And I really wanted to be somebody that made her proud and left her an example that she could, she could actually follow. And so I think that was it. I get, it took me wanting to be better for 
not only myself, but for somebody else. And she has no idea that she saved my life, nor do I think I ever <laughs> want her to. Um, because she did. And it got me out because I wanted better for her. So I think it's that. It's wanting better for yourself over someone else that you love. It was it was the thing. It was the thing that was stronger than him. It was the thing that was stronger than him over my mind. Mm-hmm. And this had already been years of like poisoning the well. And it was a hard process. It really does feel like detox. Like you're, sh- you're like shaking. You're like throwing up all the time. You're constantly on edge you're constantly wondering when he's gonna like pop out of the bushes or something he's in your nightmare it's like all of those things are real and you're going through this intense detox and sometimes the chaos felt safe and what's harder is when you create chaos in like other relationships because that's what you're used to mm-hmm. and that's a whole other podcast <laughs> like a whole different story but I think like that's at least for me, my truth. Whether I'm sorry, like it wasn't pretty. And it wasn't this like beautiful story and this beautiful childhood that got to, that I had, you know, experience. But that's my truth. And that's that's who I am. That's what I went through. And it doesn't define me today, but it definitely it definitely made me realize like I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was. Mm-hmm. And no matter what scary thing comes our way, no matter how, what the you know universe throws at us again, I felt like I've already been through hell and back, and I'm already on the other side. So it's like, what else can you what else can you throw at me? So maybe that's why I'm the queen of pivoting now. <laughs> <laughs> and then I um I love to laugh, so I just have some dark humor a little bit now. <laughs> It's one of the repercussions of going through trauma. Yeah, but I feel like you're not the only one. There's so many people that have gone through similar experiences. And I think, yeah, it's important to just have self-worth and realize that it's not, it doesn't have to be the end-all be-all. If you're in a toxic relationship, you can get out and you can start over. Mm -hmm. And it is very much like going to rehab in in the way that you have to detox from that person and cut all ties. I think... Once you've left toxic relationships, it's important to literally block and cleanse and get rid of anything that this, anything that reminds you of this person yeah. and, and truly be like, truly be unconnected. Yeah. It, but it, it took a whole process yeah. with exactly what you said. I changed my phone number. I only gave it to like three people that I absolutely trusted I moved. I changed my address, mm-hmm. so he didn't know like where I lived. I blocked him on every form of social media at, at that time. It wasn't a lot, and I also quit my job. I think that was the hardest thing um, because he knew where I worked. Right. So I had to find a new job, and I didn't tell anybody where I worked then. And I became very obviously recluse, like online, and I didn't post much and. I, the only thing I couldn't change was my school because, like, I needed to finish. Um, and the last time, that's where he saw me. And I ended up, like, telling him I was going to go to the police and file a police report. And that's when he stopped, like, mm-hmm. officially because I don't think he wanted to risk going to jail. Well, and, obviously, he's yeah, a drug dealer. And, and I think I was – I told him that. I was like, I'll tell them everything. I'll tell them everything. Uh, 
I'll take you down. Like, I'm not afraid of you anymore. And I think it took that him realizing like I'm not afraid of him anymore and he has no more control yeah he's powerless he's powerless which happens in toxic relationships too right like the moment you realize this person you don't need to be with this person you don't need to put yourself in that situation and you can have a better life then they kind of become powerless because there's nothing that they hold over you yeah there was absolutely nothing anymore that he could do he he couldn't do anything and if he tried to hurt me then he'd get thrown in jail Mm -hmm. and so it I got out And I never looked back. And that's why I think it's so important to keep having these conversations and letting people know just because your circumstances have sucked or you've been hurt or you've been abused or any of those things, you still can come out on top. You still have every right to be loved the way you deserve to be loved and you deserve good things and you can be a good person in this world. Again, I think calling the monsters out where they are and being aware of how they operate makes them less scary. Mm-hmm. And I hope by like being unfiltered on this topic, as hard as it may be, can help people identify how monsters like him operate. I'm sorry you had to go through that, baby cakes. I mean, it it happened. You know what I mean? And I think that's why my bullshit tolerance is so low. And I have zero tolerance for people who are toxic in my life. And I mm-hmm. have very strict boundaries because you have no idea what the fuck I've been through. And I'm going to be damned if I let anybody treat me other than like what I deserve to be treated. So there's that. And maybe that's the <laughs> Gemini in me, right? Like we're cool until you cross me to a certain degree for sure. But the thing is like I used to be afraid then and now I'm not afraid of anything mm-hmm. anymore. So that also like gives you a bit of power in that aspect yeah i mean you were able to get out you know Mm -hmm. and gradually even though you had a string of more bad and toxic relationships you were able to kind of pick up on those red flags and move towards a relationship that you wanted to be in yeah and thankfully that happened and we crossed paths and now we're here and yeah you know i'm not saying we're perfect but we definitely are aware of triggers and how to be a better person to each other so that's a plus that is a plus like toxic relationships like obviously you were dating a man at the time yeah and they're universal but like even in the queer world i remember being in a relationship in a really toxic relationship with this girl who had a kid at the time i think their child was like four or five. Oh wow and we How, dated was she for a older really than long you? time no we actually went to high school together and oh. we were the same age she had a kid in high school no after oh so i dated her in my 20s gotcha and we like kind of crossed paths after high school like in our 20s and she had already had this kid so she had it right after high school or whatever mm-hmm. um yeah like 19 probably had it at 19 or something um but i met her and yeah and we had like this horrible toxic <laughs> relationship um on so many levels like from day one she was just very controlling um she wanted to know everything she uh would hack into my stuff she made me baby mama like after day one and yeah and like just expected me to do certain things like she wanted me to take care of bills and pay for things and basically just like took over my life Wait, when did when was the moment that you knew it was toxic? 
I, it was similar to where it was a slow burn because uh -huh. in the beginning I was just, she was like my high school, one of my high school crushes, right? Oh. So when we crossed paths, I was like, and I've always worn my heart on my sleeve. That's, yeah. just, all, that's just me. Like I'm definitely a lover, not a fighter. And um, we went on a couple of dates and everything was fine. Like she was like a nice person. And then she told me about her kid and I was like, oh, that's crazy. Like you had a kid. And she was like, yeah, I really want you to meet her like one day. And that one day was like, I don't know, a couple months after we were, were dating yeah. casually. And and then um, I brought her around to my friends and nobody really liked her, which I think is another red flag. I feel like when you're in a toxic relationship, if your closest circle senses something off, like that's a red flag. Well, I think it would maybe be if like the majority of the class are all kind of in agreement. But if it's like one person. No, it was everyone. Yeah, but if like everyone kind of sees yeah, that this isn't a good thing. Uh, maybe you should like raise an eyebrow or ask yeah. some questions. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. But like you, I've always been like I've always wanted that fairy tale ending, and I feel like I yeah. And to your point, I never had an example like in my household of what it what a healthy relationship looked like. So yeah. her like wanting to go through my things or being jealous, I found kind of cute, like <laughs> and endearing, which is so fucked up because it is not. Healthy she, at all. She's but. so cute. She just wants to rip through my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, how cute. Exactly. And so, yeah, so that happened and we dated and we eventually moved in together, which I I was not ready for her to move in, but she literally moved in and just took over everything. Wait, so you never had a say? In no, I paid all the bills uh -huh. for sure. And what happened? She was just and like, like oh, it's so cute. I'm just going to. Literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, it was so bad. She like moved in. We got a place together and then she moved in her kid, obviously. And I think that was like the, another red flag was like we had very different parenting skills. Mm -hmm. um, like she really, she would almost like, she would leave her kids with me, her kid with me. And then she would take off and like, I don't know, go meet up with a friend. But then she would lie about meeting up with a friend and she would probably go see an ex-boyfriend or like, Ooh. yeah. But then I was at home taking care of the kid of her child. What? Yeah. It was bad. Like what? Wait, how long were you guys dating when before you became We were mom. dating for like <laughs> oh, the other mom. No more than two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. But towards the end it got really toxic. But wait, like how long were you dating before she moved in? Oh, not that long. Uh-huh. Not that long. Like maybe three months or something. And like the typical lesbian cliche. Like I met a girl, I liked her from high school, so I was crushing hard. And then she was like, You're the love of my life and like told me all the right things and then we moved in together with her child and then I became like mom whoa but I was in my 20s so I was not ready for that nor did I have experience but I did know like the type of parent that I wanted to be and it wasn't what she was doing yeah. so we would always have conflict with like parenting styles mm -hmm. which should have been a red flag as well like if I'm trying to start a relationship and want to be in a long-term relationship with this person and our parenting styles styles aren't aligning like that's a red flag you know um, and then she eventually cheated on me with my, one of my best friends. Oh, my God. Which was like the last straw because I knew she was cheating. But Wait, you knew she was cheating and you stayed? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. It was really bad. Why did you stay? I think, I think because I didn't have like the right self-esteem. Mm. And I'm telling you, I think I come from a broken home. So I 
thought that I could fix her and I thought that I can make her situation better because at the time I was working two jobs. I was making pretty decent money and I figured, and I got attached to the child too, which sucked because we really bonded and I would take her to school. I would buy her clothes. Like it was like a whole thing. Like she was like my child essentially at that time. And so I felt like, well, she already has like a shitty mom. I'm like trying to better her life. And if I leave this situation then this child has a shitty mom at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So it almost felt like my responsibility. And yeah, she would cheat on me left and right. It was really toxic. Like she would, if I went to work and she wanted me to stay home, she would literally call my job like all the time. Wait, and, like, she talk would call shit. your job? Yeah, she would talk shit. She would call and she'd be like, you don't care about me. Like total guilt trip. Like she was notorious for constantly making me feel shitty and remind me how much I don't love her because I'm not at home or I didn't do this one thing or like, and then she would threaten me all the time she'd be like if you don't come home by you get out of work at five if you're not home by 5 30 because it mm-hmm. takes you 30 minutes exactly to get home then i'm gonna rip up your shit or like mm-hmm. i'm gonna throw your stuff on the street or i'm leaving or the house that you're paying for yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> makes sense <laughs> i know it was so bad i always look back at that relationship and it it's like sad to think about that time in my life where i didn't have self-worth and i didn't think i could do better than her And I felt like I was also stuck in a situation like that. And fast forward to now, I I would never, you know, because I I have a lot to offer. And I know this. Absolutely. And I think at the time I had a lot to offer, but I didn't, I wasn't aware, you know, that Mm -hmm. I had options. Yeah. That this wasn't the the end all be all, that I could get out of the situation. And I think when she cheated on me with my best friend, because previously she had cheated on me with people I didn't know. So... Mm -hmm. And she would always like deny, deny, deny because she would gaslight and like just. I'm so curious. Like how did, how did she flip the cheating around on you? Like how did she get away with it? I think I just was blind to it. Like I knew it was happening. And when I would confront her, she would deny. Mm -hmm. But there were signs all over. Like she would have Facebook messenger like messages with like people that I knew she had at my house while I was at work, you know. Mm And then she would deny and just be like, oh, well, yeah, they came, but they just came to pick up this one thing and then they left. And this was before the Ring app. This is before anything. (laughs) So there was no, I'm like, I don't know, you know, I just have to take her word for it. But I knew like she was, she definitely was cheating on me. And I think it, my, my, like my breaking point in that relationship was her cheating on me with my best friend. Mm Mm-hmm because I was really close to my best friend at the time and we would hang out, like all three of us would hang out all the time. Mm. And then it just happened. Like literally one day she went over to pick something up that I left at my best friend's house and then they hooked up. And then she came back crying, like total, um, what's that word? She came back crying and she was like, it just happened, like I'm so (laughs) sorry. almost blaming the best friend okay for for them hooking up <laughs> and just playing the victim yeah the entire time and i think that's where i was like i'm done like i've been taking care of your child i've been paying all the bills you're literally a stay-at-home mom because i've been doing everything and now you're cheating on me with my best friend 
And she was like, no, it was a one and done. Like, it's never going to happen again. And then I, my best friend started blowing me up. And both of them were, like, crying. And, like, they're both, like, quote, unquote, sorry about the situation. But, of course, at that time, like, I'm shattered. My world is shattered. And now I'm like, well, this poor kid has to deal with this type of mother. And now I've lost my girlfriend and best friend. Mm. So it was just a mess. And the kid. And the kid. Did you, like remain friends with the no, best friend or no i think girl i thought about leaving before that that scandal uh-huh. and i never really did it like i was always like oh it's gonna get better she's gonna get better like we're gonna get better and then when <laughs> it happened with my best friend i think i was so shattered like mm-hmm. my heart was just like in pieces i was having like a breakdown like literally shaking because i couldn't yeah. believe that the two people that i loved the most like ended up cheating ended up hooking up and like now i can't trust anybody so at that point who do i gotta fight no (laughs) (sighs) no i think what i did was i went to the management company and i said i'm moving out in 30 days Mm -hmm. this is my notice um and then after i did that i went to her and I said you have 30 days to get out of the house Mm -hmm. because I'm no longer living here Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to pay for anything and that's when she realized I was serious because I there was no turning back like I was done so done Mm -hmm. and she was just like what are we what am I going to do like now you're going to put me and my me and my child on the street and I was like well you probably should have thought about that before you cheated but I'm like so done. Yeah. And then I just grabbed my stuff and I left. Like I left so m- I left furniture. Yeah. I left. I had furnished the entire apartment by myself and I left everything. The only thing I took was my records <laughs> and my record player at the time. Oh. And like a couple of items of clothes. And I ended up crashing at my friend's house for a couple of months. And that was it. I think I just went cold turkey. I blocked her on everything. I, I was gonna say, changed how did you my get number. It, it was hard. It was really hard. I was super depressed for the longest because I think that's a different type of betrayal. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for me to process. And I felt guilty. Like for the first couple of months, I felt like maybe I did something to deserve that kind of betrayal. Oh. And so there was a lot of like, I don't know, um, depression for sure. Yeah. And just feeling like it was my fault, mm-hmm. which I think is another thing that happens with red flags. Like she was notorious for making me feel like I did something wrong. Yeah. And the gaslighting. So when we broke up, I felt like maybe I could have saved it if I was spending more time at home, if I didn't have two jobs, if I like, you know, all these things. But to be honest, it was a toxic relationship from day one. I just didn't see the signs. You know, she was always jealous Mm -hmm. of anybody and everyone. I remember one time we went to a club. My friend was throwing the night and I ran into a coworker. And because I hugged my coworker, like a regular hug, she like flipped out. She like threw a drink at oh me and then God. like stormed out of the club. And I was like, oh my God, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's my coworker. And like, she's literally straight. But it was situations like that that would happen all the time. Like I couldn't take her anywhere because she was like a ticking time bomb. Yeah. And like anything could set her off. I mean, to live in that world with so much anxiety mm-hmm. too. What, oh my God. It was bad. It's probably one of the worst relationships. I mean, what, what were some of the the telling red flags like now looking back where you're like okay that a ton manipulation Mm -hmm. there's a lot of manipulation in that relationship gaslighting Mm -hmm. 
anytime I caught her in a lie, she would just throw it back on me and it was a constant defense. Making it feel like it was your fault. Yeah. Um, lying. There was a lot of lying that occurred in that relationship. What else? I feel like those were the primary ones. Um, what, what I feel like people don't talk about enough is the toxic traits that you take with you that. from toxic relationships yeah. into new ones where you almost become the toxic person sometimes well, yourself. That's funny that you say that because I remember after her, the next two to three relationships, I was an asshole. Yeah. I legit had the biggest wall up and I didn't want to take anyone serious. And I definitely cheated on like partners mm -hmm. because I just, I didn't want it to happen again. So I just, I didn't trust anyone. So I was constantly being the villain. Yeah. Um, not to that extent, obviously, but like, yeah, I was definitely lying to people and I was not the best partner at all. Mm -hmm. um, and my guard was always up. I always assumed they would do the worst. Yeah. Because the worst happened to me. So I just assumed everybody was shitty. And it took a lot for me to like be better and to just work on myself. And I think it's important to also know that just because you were treated a certain way in your previous relationship doesn't mean that your next partner will do the same. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing, especially when it comes to being in toxic relationships. You kind of feel like you almost have to be guarded all the time because of the trauma that comes from being in a toxic relationship. Yeah. I think you're, you hit the nail on the head on that one. I, what's really important is when you are coming out of a toxic relationship and after you've detoxed and you spend time to heal and heal yourself and to fully process all of those emotions, the rage, the depression, the mm -hmm. things that come with, coming out of a toxic relationship or a, a traumatic situation in a relationship is to not pack those in a bag and take them into your next relationship. I think for me, one of the things that I packed in a bag and took into every relationship and even a little bit of ours was trust. Mm -hmm. Like I was always being lied to in all of my relationships. It, it, it felt so shitty to not be able to trust anyone. And it was really hard for me to heal that and to cope with that. I feel like that was such a lingering aspect. And it took a long time and it took a lot of help and it took a lot of patience <laughs> from you too as well. Um, because it's hard coming out of these fight or flight situations mm -hmm. to just feel safe. And I think the fight or flight response is what typically gets us into trouble when we're navigating healthier relationships right. because you constantly feel like you have to, it's like do or die, me versus you or sink or swim, like all of those situations. And those trigger responses are like ticking time bombs sometimes yeah. too. And I feel like with her, I was very much a people, like I was already a people pleaser at home, but oh, with yeah. her, it just made it worse. And so I think that's kind of where my people pleasing, I'd rather just lie to this person, make them feel good than tell them the truth. And I'll deal with that later. Like that was always my like what I got from that relationship. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, a, a trigger that I needed to like fix within myself. Um, and even in the beginning of our relationship, like I, it, I was definitely still, you know, lying about dumb shit because it's just what I was 
used to, you know. I mean, we all have our things. Mm -hmm. We all have our things that we had to work on. And there are still like so many toxic flags that, you know, just being aware of. And they seem so small and they seem so subtle and they seem harmless. Like a friend or a family member, somebody guilt tripping you and saying, you don't love me anymore if you don't do this thing. Right. That is fucking toxic. <laughs> like, I know it's sugar-coated with like, hee-hee-ha-ha. No one should hang love over your head like a carrot to force you to do something that they want you to do. Yeah. Whether it's pick up the phone or text them back or come over and visit. If you don't want to do that, that is your right and that is your boundary. Mm-hmm. But what's toxic is when somebody constantly throws love in there because they know what they're doing. Exactly. They're very manipulative. They know they can pull on these strings and these buttons to get you to do what they want Mm -hmm. and that's not okay that's not healthy and we say like we sit here and when we can actually like look back and think how did it all start like what were these things that we just let slide and slide into other relationships and friendships and dynamics and it just it it happens so slow at first and then I think if anybody's listening to this podcast and you know you're in a toxic relationship and you need advice to get out, just know that it gets better yeah. because I feel like in that moment, I thought that was that was it. Like that was the best it was going to get. I didn't deserve love. I came from a broken home. I, I didn't know if love act- actually existed at that time. And I feel like when you're in that situation, all you want is for someone to tell you that you're you're worth it. Like, you can do better. You don't have to be in this relationship. You should put yourself first. And if that person isn't providing all of the things on your checklist of, like, what the ideal partner is, then they're not worth your time. Oh, that's so well said. If this person brings out the worst version Mm -hmm. of you instead of the best version of you, they are not for you. If we can do anything, if we can be any sort of beacon of hope, of representation, and again, we always fight for this representation matters because this could save somebody's life out there. It would have saved mine. It would have saved mine a lot sooner if I just saw what a healthy relationship looked like, what a beautiful relationship looked like. I wish I had somebody that told me you deserve love that is gentle and kind and nurturing and supportive. This isn't love. Whatever I have is not that. Yeah. And if we could do anything in this lifetime and in this world and with our platform, it's going to be that. Well said, baby cakes. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my talk. <laughs> and on that note. And on that note. Next week's conversation is. Imposter syndrome. Because that's also something we have dealt struggle with, with. Struggle with. And yeah. so such struggle with now. And I think that's an honest conversation that we need to bring to the podcast. This is a space to bring your baddies. If you haven't shared this podcast with anybody, you know someone who's struggling with imposter syndrome, you're definitely going to want them to listen to next week. And if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, go back, check them out. We're happy to be here. We do know that this one was a heavy one. So shake it off, breathe. Y'all, we're okay. (laughs) And I know some people out there like, I just want to give you a hug because y'all love us. And I know that. I know you're thinking it. Um, We are gladly taking, uh, you know, Hugs IRL Hugs on New IRL. Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve. So if you see us on New Year's Eve and you heard this podcast, we are welcoming all the hugs. Um, and we hope we do see you all on New Year's Eve. Go get your tickets. It's going to be an amazing time. As always, we love you all and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.